Welcome to Tales for Teaching, a podcast where we explore stories with purpose in higher education. We'll share expert insights, engaging interviews and thought-provoking discussions that will inspire your teaching. On behalf of Deakin University, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the unceded lands and waterways on which you were located. I acknowledge the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners on which this podcast was recorded, and I pay my respects to elders past, present and future. My name is Joan Sutherland, and this is Tales for Teaching, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. There is no denying that AI is an integral part of industries and essentially our lives. But what does it mean for higher education and how can we reframe our thinking and adapt to ensure our graduates are equipped with the skills and knowledge they need to succeed in an AI-driven world? So today I'm joined by Jessica McBeacon, who is the manager of the SIT Innovation Group here at Deakin University. Hi, Jessie. Welcome. G'day, Joan. Thanks for having me. Um... Yeah, looking forward to having a chat. Well, today we're going to be talking about the relevance of AI in industry and how it's actually transforming education. So get started. Can you just tell us a bit about yourself and your role at Deakin University? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm the manager of uh, industry projects within the SIT Innovation Group. So uh, we're a professional team within the School of IT um, and we predominantly manage the, the final year sort of common core um, industry capstone program. So 10 different disciplines all come together in the final year and um, they basically spend two trimesters working on building products, games, apps, um, data science experiments, you name it. Um, And so they do that within uh, six school companies that focus on our areas in the school. Um, And in addition to that, um, our our group also uh, manages the innovation um, agenda um, for students within the School of IT. So things like hackathons, boot camps, like competitions that we often go in um, and things like rapid prototyping and sort of startup ideation, that sort of stuff as well. So, so technology is right at the forefront of what you do and making sure it's relevant for students. Yeah, we're really lucky in the sense that um, we get the students coming in uh, in the final year. Um, they've gone through the sort of process of learning and and um, their different sort of discipline areas. And so in our program, they get put it into practice um, and it's, very much uh, some of a black box. Um, there's a lot of autonomy and freedom that we give the students. And so a lot of the time we see students experimenting with new technologies and things that are just emerging. Um, and so it's fun for us. It's also fun for the industry, um, people that come in and collaborate with our students. Um, so yeah, things like what we're talking about today, AI and other sort of emerging areas are starting to really sort of show up in, in what we're doing. So ChatGPT obviously is the biggest one that's taken the world by storm and now we're talking a lot about it in higher education. Can you give us some examples of industries that are currently using AI and what benefits they're experiencing from the implementation? Yeah, um, so we've had some um, relationships over the last couple of years with um, different sort of startups or other organisations that have been interested in sort of collaborating with us and we've started to sort of see what they were doing. Um, there's obviously, as you said, been an explosion um, with chat GPT that's emerged at the moment. But, you know, before that, we were sort of seeing things around like computer vision. So some startups that we were working with were looking at interesting ways of using computer vision to identify, um, you know, uh, HVAC. So, you know, like um, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, 
type stuff. So they would go in with a 360 camera and they would use that to record all the different elements within a room. And um, they were working with our students a couple of years ago on that, using algorithms to sort of detect it. And, you know, from an efficiency point of view, that was instead of someone with a clipboard having to like identify and write everything down, they were literally just running through, scanning it, and then processing that vision later. And so you can imagine the efficiency that they were getting from that. And our students were were working with that company. I think they were called Older One. Um, We've also seen, um, which is quite popular with our students, um, sort of the emergence of chatbots. And this is pre GBT, you know, chatbots were emerging in terms of like help desk type stuff, um, quite, quite basic, um, but that functionality has been there for a while. And so that was sort of slowly emerging that we were seeing, um, you know, it, and it's obviously focused on like efficiency, right. And boosting productivity. <laughs> um, but you know, now with the emergence of, of chat GPT, um, and you know, basically the GPT, GPT, um, uh, you know, stack that's starting to emerge. Yeah. API keys, which are the ability for you to program and build your own applications that then can interface with it directly. There's just an explosion of development, um, particularly in the open source community, that's emerging. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm expecting to see, um, well, I'm already seeing it if, if you keep your ear close to sort of the Twitterverse. You know, there's um, call centers, for example, are, are going to be one of the first that's probably going to be massively impacted by this. Mm-hmm. Um, you could probably say things like, uh, what was interesting to me was um, game development. Yep. So 3D artists, game developers, they're using things like uh, this Mid-Journey version 5, which has just come out, and there's also Stable Diffusion. So these are sort of, um, these are like uh, generative um, AIs that can actually create images. And so yep. what we were seeing was like, yeah, around 3D art design, 3D animators, 3D artists. The work of 10 animators in a startup, you know, is now down to like two or three. And the ones that are the ones keeping their jobs are the ones that are able to effectively use these new tools. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, but it's, yeah, so things that the timelines are shrinking in terms of what they can create. Um, I saw something the other day that was fascinating. It was a, um, a clip on Twitter. It was a, a 20-year-old game. Um, Vampire the Masquerade, which came out like 20 years ago, very basic graphics. Someone had run it through Stable Diffusion, and now it's photorealistic. So you, you see these games that are sort of emerging, that are going to be like, sort of, I think it's going to be a whole like redux cottage industry that emerges in film and TV, 3D, you know, animation, all that kind of stuff. Fascinating. Well, you mentioned about uh, the animators, for instance, that have reduced from a- down to two or three in a startup. Now, it's about working alongside the AI, I suppose, and taking that on board. How do people, uh, there's a lot of threats out there in the sense of threats to your job, and you've mentioned around creating efficiencies, and that's something that AI does. How how do you recommend that people um, in the education community encourage people to work with versus um, work against different AI? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. So, where I, when I saw this example come through about this this three D sort of game team, um, it was an indie developer, and the person was quite unhappy. Right, they were complaining about how, like, you know, I, I this is not what I signed up for, and you know, the boss is keeping the person that's um, using the tools, and I'm I'm possibly going to lose my job. But 
I think you need to look at it differently. And it's a lot of what we try to like uh, talk to our students in the in the capstone program about as well and the school is that you need to be um, able to think innovatively, right? The people that are going to survive in this space are not people that are just going to expect to have a cushy nine-to-five job or work for someone or work. You're going to have to actually think, how can I use these tools? So you would expect to see more games get developed, right? Because there's more ideas and there's more accessibility. There's more ability for people to actually do this stuff now on a lower budget. Um, You know, it's interesting that point around the budgets, like VC runways, a venture capital runway, that's a big conversation that's happening at the moment, right? Because when a venture capitalist used to come in and give seed funding and angel investing for a you know, startup idea, they would factor in the cost that it would take for you know, one year, two years of runway. Um, and now that thinking is actually coming right now. So you don't need a, a, a $10 million investment or a $1 million investment. You might only need a $100,000 investment. Yeah, so, much more achievable. Yeah, yeah. So does this excite your students or does it terrify them? Um, yeah, look, I don't, it's funny, right? Like, I think some of them are really keyed into this stuff and dialed in. I think many of them are, uh, which is surprising. This is going to be huge in the IT industry, in our industry, and, uh, it's going to affect them, particularly if they're, you know, the the young people haven't started work yet and they're entering the workforce, this is going to be... Um, it's going to be part of their life in the same way that we don't do sort of, you know, we use scientific calculators and things now to do, you know, a lot of complex math. This is going to be part of their life. They're going to have AI present with them. So I don't think so. I think we need to talk about it more, but, but we also, it's just moving so fast. Like, where do you, where do you you take it out? Like, what do you tell them? Yeah. It's going at the speed of lightning. It's just absolutely crazy as it, as things come out. And as you mentioned before, Twitter, but there's something new. Someone's got new ideas, uh, new perspective, new resources coming out, everything. Uh, and it's developing daily, I suppose. So- it is. It is. And, you know, the thing is too, like, if we're talking about chat GPT in May 2023, we're way behind the curve, right? It's not about chat GPT anymore. You know, people... Uh, and now talking about auto GPT, and if you've heard of this, yeah. auto GPT, baby AGI, all these sort of open source projects are emerging on yeah. GitHub's, um, you know, getting massive numbers of stars. Um, and these are kind of like self directed, self prompting AI bots, basically. So rather than having a single chat GPT conversation AI agent, you've got a hundred working consecutively towards a goal. That's pretty fascinating to watch. It is fascinating and terrifying. I'll use that word again. No, that's sure. Right. But right. those, it's funny that you uh, you mentioned that around the auto agent. So that's around um, the chat GPT or the la- large language models behind that. That requires human input to respond to it. Whereas the auto agent that you're referring to, that's generating its own response. Is that correct? That's right. So... Um, this is a program that you can just Google it. You can Google AutoGPT. You can basically give the AI agent a high-level goal. It may be, you know, create an effective business that, you know, makes money year on year or whatever. It will identify, like, five goals that it needs to do to do that, and it will just start 
running. It will just start like researching. It can browse the internet. It can write code. You can output things like files, create files, do all sorts of stuff. Pretty wild. It's very wild. And so how do you see, you touched on it a bit, that your students need to be um, adopting this and really being um, partnering with AI, I suppose. ChatGPT, although a lot of the buzz is around that, AI is a massive um, industry in itself. So how do you see the role of AI evolving in the future and what industries do you think will benefit most from its continued development? Look, I think that's just, that's like the million dollar question, right? I think almost every industry yeah. um, is going to be impacted, impacted by it. And I think almost any industry is going to be able to benefit from it. Yeah. I think, I think new industries may, may emerge. I talked about like the cottage industry around like reducing things, you know, the film industry, right? You're going to be able to go back and add remerge characters and, you know, change scenes and things like that. I guess the question is like, if you're running a business now, if you're running like a small and medium enterprise business, that's maybe information related or services related. How's your business going to function with an employee that has the knowledge depth and 10 million PhDs, right? And can synthesize and reason and solve complex problems for you and then can actually create things like artifacts can actually like publish text or update your website or answer queries. Um, you know, this, we haven't really encountered this sort of thing before. Like this is sort of all really new. And, um, I think kind of any industry maybe that has like large scale complex coordination is pop as pop and, and maybe it has clear data inputs, it's going to be a, a an industry that's going to benefit from this because just the ability for like an AI agent to be able to compute and calculate things at such a broad scale and take in so many different information inputs, um, it's going to, it's going to be like a really huge productivity dividend for those sort of businesses. So maybe transport logistics, um, it's, it's probably one, um, like we're not quite there yet, but like maybe like large scales of software development. Yep. Um, you know, I've been playing around with how can you get, um, like auto GPT to play the role of like a 10 person scrum team. Wow. So this is, this I'll be like trying to, trying to basically get you to play the role of 10 different people in a 10 person scrum team with a goal, right. And see like, can it actually discuss things and issues in a, using scrum methodology? Cause there's a lot of content out there on the internet that it can learn about this and so there's been some interesting results that have come from How did it go? Um, so what I found with, with these um, auto agents is it's about how you prompt them and ask them to do different things. So you can sometimes get stuck in a loop where you ask it to research and understand something. So if, if part of what you're asking it to do is like research and understand Scrum and then like apply it to this, mm -hmm. it will it will learn about scrum and then it will try and do something and then it will come back to learning and then it will do something and it will come back to learning and it can sometimes just get stuck in this like endless like cycle of trying to learn 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 it's better i've found to be able to like directly ask it to do something and then it goes and like figures out what it needs to know um that's the bit that we're gonna have to figure out ourselves i think is like how do we actually use this effectively um that's probably yeah. why the industry of uh Prompt engineering has popped up as well. well yeah, yeah. Actually, create to get something to do what you want it to do. 
That's right. Just, just learning and as you said, regurgitating. That's right. Well, it's interesting you say that because one of the mo- more interesting things I've come across is um, this idea of uh, super prompt, right? So um, I've seen some people that have started sharing their super prompts and the idea is the AI knows how to prompt itself better than you will ever know how to prompt it. So create a question, create a prompt that basically gets it to go through and come up with the best prompts to achieve the goal that it needs. Yeah, so so it knows more about itself than you ever will. So we kind of always have to like remove our puny human ego from this and (laughs) bow down at the AI and basically ask it to figure out things for itself. Well, one of the big questions I know we've been grappling with is around, there's been a lot of discussion around assessment and changing assessment to, so then the AI can't actually do it, I suppose, that we're assessing learning. But the other question or the other thing that's really come to the forefront is around that need for critical um, evaluation or evaluative judgment and critical thinking skills as to what you're actually getting back. Because I suppose you can put these prompts in and super prompts and they're going to know so much more than you're ever going to know. But how do you know what you're actually getting back is relevant to you, that's authentic, um, you know, and something that you can apply to your own uh, your own context, I suppose. What are your thoughts around that? Um, I think, look, I think the thing about, like, how we think about this as a, in terms of how we, how we use this with students, like, I think we're, we're going to have to really redefine how we assess because it's, is it that we're assessing students on their knowledge content, right, and what they know? When you've got this tool that knows everything, right, that you can just pull things out of, uh, or are we assessing them on, like, the outcomes that they can achieve, right? Because, like, that's that's sort of the thing, like, like I see in, I, I see in some of the things that we've got coming through our program. Like, miracul- miraculously this year, I have not, it seems that everybody is really good at writing summaries and documents and documentation which honestly was a huge headache in the past because they didn't do that very well and uh now they do it really well and so now everybody understands the documentation and read it <laughs> am i happy with the outcome that's been achieved yes am i necessarily happy that they know everything that they're doing i don't know i'm not sure but then the question is like if these things are going to get better and better and better do they really need to know all that stuff now um yeah, but then like, with, what are we doing then, right? Like that. So we have to think about like, what is our role in this? I think you, you nailed it. And when you're talking about like critical thinking and problem solving, because these things still make mistakes, right? Yeah, still make mistakes. And you can see, I can see some mistakes that have been made in this. Yeah, someone copied and paste and had a really thought thought through. So they're going to get pinged on that. Yeah. Um, it's a big conversation. Yeah. We could clearly, we could clearly apply these these tools to what we do as well, right? Yeah. Academic workload yeah. is a massive, massive conversation in our school, as it is yeah. in our schools. Um, we predominantly now, you know, even before COVID, but so much more now, everything is online, so everything is information-based, right? So we all use these different learning management systems, which are basically topic and information. We use um, OnTrack a lot, but feasibly, you could see that, like, we could discuss the idea of using ChatGPT to assess and mark assess like that's a do assessment right feedback and if you clearly like tell ChatGPT what you want it to be marking it will do that now i guess the question then is like 
would would we accept this or would students accept this? I don't think they would, or at least not right now. I don't think they're prepared to accept that right now, that they're being marked by an AI. Even if that AI is going to give them better feedback, more attention. At the value add of university as well, though, why you actually go to uh, higher education institutions and who you're actually coming across, industry leaders, um, people that are actually teaching you and you're learning with as well. So that's the other value add of higher education versus if it was just knowledge, you could get a lot off YouTube. Well, that's right. Well, I, it's, yeah, it's more around the experience and there's a lot of different components that add to that experience. Well, it says, yeah, you, and you've touched on like a really interesting point, right? Because um, now it comes down to, well, what is the value proposition of a university? And we are known in Australia as being quite a digitally savvy university. Uh only a digital experience and all of this kind of stuff. And actually a huge benefit for us when the COVID lockdowns happened because we just transitioned everyone to our cloud campus and it was, we were off and running. The question though is if, if we are going to embrace this technology and embed it into a lot of our teaching, we actually are possibly going to diminish our value proposition to students, right? Because if it's so easy to do it, everyone's going to do it. Yes. So, so what what exactly is your call out to students to be enrolled at university? If, if you can ask some AI, which you can do, you can ask ChatGPT now to develop a twelve week curriculum on yeah. the engineering, it will do it for you. Yeah, and it will draw it from ten million different sources, and probably going to be very good. Now, maybe that's fine if you're busy and you can't do university, but. Like maybe you want to come on campus and have that experience. Maybe you want to have face-to-face engagement with people. So it's kind of a bit of like, a, um, do we actually go back to analog? Because that's the thing that we can offer that the AI can't. I don't know. Big question. Yeah, it's a big question and one that I think every institution's grappling with, not just mm-hmm. higher ed, but, you know, like where it actually fits because there's so many challenges with integration of AI from a value proposition, but so many other things. Um, that pop up, especially because it is part of our life now anyway, AI. And then five years in the future, every industry is going to have a, a lot more prominent, I suppose, I would imagine. Um, so how are we actually uh, ensuring our students are graduate ready for different industries, which is what I mean, we do, I suppose, in your yeah. role, right? Here's a thought experiment. What if you took every single piece of assessment Every single piece of learning material, every single thing we've ever done at Deakin, spot on a database, database somewhere, and you trained a large language model on all of it and gave it self-directed goals to become a university lecturer. Would that one AI agent be able to deliver everything that we offer? And maybe not everything, but like everything that is possibly like information-based, it could possibly do it in the future. I don't know. So... Definitely information-based, but again, it goes back to experience. And my background is in teaching and learning design. And I always think about, like, I've tried to, you know, map out the 12-week course yep. and uh, done a few things around that. And it does. It does. It, you know, if you were starting from scratch and you were thinking, oh, how does this work chronologically and what works and what doesn't? But the power of, like, an educator being that, you know, you change things around, you make it more engaging, you can do different, you implement different strategies, but... As you said, I don't know where it's going, but uh, it's an interesting uh, thought. <laughs> um, yeah. It's actually scary, you know, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's inter- 
it's interesting that um, you know it is, and it is honestly like uh, you know, the ethical dilemma is there. Yeah. There is danger to this. Yeah, um, I've been talking to people about um, you know certain things that uh, you know this is out there in the in the public now. So you see a lot of stuff emerging on Twitter, right? A lot of really yeah. cool stuff. The thing I'm thinking about is what is stuff that's not being posted on Twitter, right? So yeah. people are posting all these really cool, awesome things they're doing with it, yeah. not posting the maybe the not so good things, the jetty yeah. out of the bottle now. Um, Buckle up, eh? So I suppose uh, I want to thank you for your time. But before we go, what advice would you give other institutions around AI to ensure graduates are industry ready? The only thing I think you can do is expose them to this. Yeah. Right? Like, you're actually failing at your job if you're not exposing students to this sort of stuff. If they're emerging out of the pipeline, yeah. you know, they're, they're joining a business um, and they've got no idea what's going on here. Like, and we're not doing our job. Um, you know, a lot of the, I find in Australia, graduates that are emerging, um, you know, they look, they look at our students like the Google Wiz kids. You know, like our students kind of want to join companies speaking, they're going to learn all this new stuff. But a lot of the time, actually, like the newest stuff is coming out of like the universities, right? And so they actually have to realize that they can be quite influential when they join, um, because they've got the most hopefully the most current information. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we have to, um, we have to be smart with how we create our units. We have to be flexible, um, with our curriculum. We'd have to somehow figure out, particularly at IT at least, how we can, um, create units that are, have the ability to just be refreshed and updated uh, as fast as we can. Yeah. Um, and then I guess constantly changing. That's right. And if if you're not in IT, not in like the area that you're in, um, this should still going to affect you because really when you think about it, like IT is the glue that holds a lot of things together. Um, it's it's everywhere. And so, you know, health, for example, this is gonna have um, applications around like like fast diagnosis. We're already seeing that, like um X rays and ultrasounds are being um analyzed by AI agents that are, that are actually doing some pretty amazing stuff and detecting tumors and all sorts of stuff. Um, it's going to be everywhere. So you really just have to um, be open to the possibilities that this is going to affect um, your industry and your students. I think we're probably going to have a better idea in about 10 years where this is going, but at the moment we're right at the beginning. So it's um, it's going to happen whether we like it or not. And it is happening and that's what's exciting and I'll go back to terrifying as well, but it is an exciting time to be part of higher education in particular and see how it's transforming people, um, just thought process and what we're doing and how we're doing things and how we can engage students and make them more gradu- uh, industry ready when they graduate. So, AI ready. AI ready. <laughs> yeah. It's all about AI. Before, um, what was it? Twenty twenty was all the COVID, and then this year, twenty twenty three, it was ChatGPT, and yep. uh, now it's gone to AI. So twenty first century graduates, industry yeah. four point <laughs> graduates. I, uh, I think we're in the age of AI now. Yes, yeah. we're in now. Yep, I love it. Look, I'd love to. Th- I'd like to thank you for your time today, Jesse. It was really enlightening uh, speaking to you about what you're encountering, um, in your in your position and how students are coming, uh, dealing with AI as well. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, really, really 
interesting um, conversation that we've had. So, you know, I look forward to where this is going to go, what we're going to do at Deakin. Definitely. Thank you. Thanks.